0: This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley and I'll be sharing how to start, grow and scale your education business. So today we're talking about the copycat culture in education business. And I thought it would be helpful to share my thoughts and experiences as it can be a very scary prospect, especially if you're just thinking about starting out, you're in the very early days of your business or maybe you're still relatively small. So, we can often be very worried about sharing ideas with others, worried that they're gonna steal our idea and then get it out to market before we can. But to be honest, usually our ideas that we're afraid of being copied are not exactly groundbreaking, if we're absolutely honest with ourselves. And perhaps I've touched a little bit of a nerve there. I'm not saying you should go around shouting from the rooftops your ideas to give everyone the heads up, but here are my 10 thoughts on the topic. And some stories of how how I've survived eight years of the copycat culture. Number one, reinventing the wheel. So a sentence that is mentioned a lot in relation to education and life work balance is, don't reinvent the wheel. But as education businesses, we're all doing it in some shape or form, but trying to improve the wheel instead, we see that the wheel could be better. So with this in mind, then we need to accept that anything out there could be 80 to 90% the same as our product or service because our product or service is 80 to 90% the same as someone else's. So some of us went into our chosen business because we saw others in the same space making a success of it and we wanted to put our spin on it and some of us had no influence of anyone else doing what we do but we've bumped into others that had the same idea or Maybe they've followed on in our footsteps along the way. So, acceptance that our stuff is at least 80% the same as someone else's is the key here. It'll help you react in a more informed, sensible, and mature way. It's going to happen at some point. There are a lot of people in this small education business world. Number two, it happens a lot. So, we can always be in fight mode, looking around for predators or not. I've talked to a fair number of education entrepreneurs about their experiences with copying. Now, there's been varied experiences from us all in this space, and the stories have included things like website and software copying, inadvertent copying and then having accusations thrown at them, copying the layout of a company's resources, blatant word-for-word copying, partnerships gone wrong, copying the features of a company's resources, and even staff poaching. But sometimes we're so afraid of copying someone else's stuff then it makes us freeze and we don't move forward on anything. We don't do anything and we can't grow our businesses. But if that's you I just want you to consider whether or not it makes business sense to do what you want to do. Are you responding to a need that teachers genuinely need? Because by making the right tweaks that's something you should move forward on. And then sometimes we don't even realise our content is like someone else's because we've seen so much during our teaching years that it's hard to even know. It's always a mishmash with our own spin on it. So I want you to navigate this world with less fear. Number three, it's a compliment. It's gonna happen if your product is good. So I started differentiating everything back in the day in 2013 before differentiation became a dirty word but it was what teachers needed at the time. And as time progressed, I fell into creating reading resources and I ended up producing differentiated comprehensions and I had huge praise for them. So about nine months later, the first differentiated comprehensions appeared on a big competitor's website. And I was quite surprised at my reaction, to be honest. I suppose in a way I've always felt very grown up in my reactions in this area. And I have some thoughts on this and I'm going to share them at a later point. So maybe I've always believed that I can just go and create something new all over again. So what was I going to do about this big competitor now producing differentiated comprehensions, because it's not like I had any money to explore this further. So I looked at the comprehensions on the competitor site, the first phase of them, and they'd only provided one text with three sets of differentiated questions. Now, mine had differentiated texts too, so the children could access the reading at their own level. So they'd already dismissed one of the features that they probably deemed as unnecessary and very time-consuming to make, but I knew that's what my customers were raving about. That I knew that that was what was special about my resources. So it wasn't long then until another resource site started providing differentiated levels in their resources as well. And what I felt was most unfair about the situation was that I was a small company with one person and they were both bigger and more established than me. And I did feel in some ways like they were trying to stamp me out. But I don't think looking back that that was the case. But the fact that these companies felt that they needed to start providing differentiated resources meant that they viewed me on my own as worth copying, worth watching out for. I was doing something right. Now it's standard for most sites to offer different levels on certain resources. And I'm very proud that it was me that brought that to the market. That was a significant change that I made in the online resources space. Number four, don't take it personally. I know this is a really hard thing to do, but try and take a step back. It's easy to take it personally if you feel like it's directed at you or you are the only person in the business especially if you're still creating or delivering the products or service yourself. So I've got a big team now and I don't touch the resources as I'm sure you'd expect. The whole process of creating a new resource line comes to me for final input months and months down the line. So this helps me look at it really objectively as a business decision. So if you're the sole person right now or you're creating the content, what ways can you find to remove yourself, even if it's hypothetically? In order to remove yourself from the emotions around this if it comes up in your life number five don't be really afraid of it so when we focus on being afraid of something happening using all your energy telling the world what you don't want by imagining it and when we imagine it our brain wants to make that happen so this is a surefire way to make sure that it does happen and it's important not to worry about someone coming along And copying your best stuff because it's more likely that it will happen if you're worrying about it. So with that in mind, number six, don't look for it. You'll always be looking over your shoulder. So let people come to you and tell you that they've noticed an issue with a company copying your stuff. Your biggest fans will have your back. I've also had people scared that I will copy them. So I signed up to one resource site when I just started out because I was tutoring at the same time. And I had my bank account refunded within 10 minutes and my account closed. So they'd looked at my site and they'd assumed that I was going to copy. And I explained that I was a tutor and that wasn't the case. But the response I got back was basically, thank you, but no, good luck with it all. And I was a bit scared at first by this frosty response. And it's only now that I can see with my experience as a leader that that was a bad reaction to the way that another resource company had acted towards them. But with a refund in 10 minutes and supposedly thousands of sales in that company, looking back at this situation now, I have alarm bells ringing right there for me about whether they were working on the right things or not. And were they looking for it, for someone to come along and copy? So within two years, I'd surpassed them in terms of online presence, and they started on a downward decline. So this happening so early on in the business taught me a really valuable lesson. And that's why I think I've always managed to bring my mindset in line with this because I felt like I've had no choice. I've let competitors sign up to my site because some of them have actually used my stuff in their lessons. And you know what? I'd rather have a much op- more open relationship than a sneaky backdoor one, to be honest. So it's not that it doesn't upset me when I see that someone has spent a lot of time to do something that feels to me in the moment like it's gonna bring my company down, crashing to the ground but I let it have its day and I move on. So I often say to my exec team that we're allowed to feel what we feel today, but tomorrow is a new day and we need to move on. And I say this knowing that my company will stand for its values and its products and will continue to be really helpful to teachers. Number seven, don't react. So you may have to fight every fibre of your being not to react, but it's important not to. And especially don't react badly. So obviously, if it's an outright copy or you've got something copyrighted, you need to do what needs to be done. But let's not make a public display about it. There have been a lot of times unsavoury things have been directed at me personally. And I can't tell you how much I've had to sit on my hands, had to hold my tongue, and how much it's genuinely upset me and, you know, really made me sad. But I want you to consider how a bad public reaction could damage you more than them. That's not what you want. And how can you turn this unfortunate event into something good for the future? So talking of something good for the future, number eight, use it to drive you. So I've been copied so many times. And do you know what we do? We just make ours better. We'll even examine how closely it's been copied and take from it what we need to take to make ours even better and more beneficial for teachers and children. So when you give yourself permission to step back from the emotions, you can grow so much during this time yourself, and it can drive you to grow your revenue as well. Number nine, keep it friendly. So I'm not talking about being best friends, but keep the relationships with competitors friendly. When you see someone slating a competitor on social media, Let them know so that they can defend themselves. And when you see someone asking to share a competitor's products for free, stand up and say something. Because you never know what network that person is building and it might come back and bite you in the bum. So the first impression that you made on someone when they were tiny and you were more experienced and then years down the line, they have this massive team, they've got influence, connections, That could have got you somewhere, that's when you'll really regret it. So, even if you don't agree with what's happened, be the grown up. Show respect when a competitor launches something, even if it's similar to something that you have out there. You have to believe that there's room for both of you in the market. And don't just rush in to copy their new thing. In time, you might do your own version, and that's okay. But know when to stay in your lane for the time being. Or if you're going to be launching something in the same area as them and you see it on social media, then let them know privately so they know that you're not copying them. Celebrate their products and services as something of quality and see yourself as a collaborator. Imagine if most businesses in your niche had a collaborative relationship and you'd made yourself an enemy. Everything would be so much harder, but just for you. And number 10. Ignore it and carry on anyway. So they're never gonna do it like you. They're never gonna be you. You're always gonna have your own spin on it. And that's something your customers will love because they relate to you and what you provide for them. And we can feel so angry and intent on making them pay, but you know what? We're only hurting ourselves and wasting valuable creative energy that we should be spending on our next big thing. And just another point, it's actually really hard to evidence if somebody is copying you. So one company copied our layout, sold it on TES, and people thought that it was us. But in this space where there's so much wheel reinventing, it's really hard to get any case to stick with a solicitor. And it costs an awful lot of money as well. So the best thing is to just move on and concentrate on doing what you do best. So I really hope that this episode has given you some ideas when it comes to responding to competitors and the copycat culture in education business. So at the moment, I open up eight 20-minute call slots a week to network with other education business people. So I'd love to get to know what you do. So you can go to educationbusinessclub.co.uk to book a call with me and tell me all about what you're up to. Thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk.